Welcome to another episode of Delisted the Podcast. I'm Michael Kay. And I'm Allison. Okay, the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, <laughs> defamation trial, circus, shit show, dumpster fire is finally over. That was such a beleaguered sigh from you. It, I mean, it, it was only six weeks. It felt like 600 weeks. If you told me this started back in 2015... I'd be like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna double check that. That sounds right. Yeah, no citation needed because it no. did feel like 2015. So the basics of the lawsuit uh, is that Amber Heard she wrote an op-ed piece in the Washington Post in 2018. She called herself a victim of domestic abuse. She never named Johnny Depp, but Johnny and Amber split in 2016, and she took out a restraining order against him, claiming he was abusive throughout their marriage and their relationship. So it was clear that she was talking about him. So he sued her for $50 million in Virginia, because that's where one of the servers for the Washington Post site is. Thank you for explaining that, Michael, because that's something that always, like, I some people have asked me that, like, they're like, why is this trial happening in Virginia? It's like, well, that's one of life's great mysteries. Yeah, and I don't know why he didn't sue the Washington Post, but he sued Amber. Um, he said the accusations were a hoax. They ruined his reputation. They cost him a lot financially since he was fired from the Fantastic Beast series and the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Amber later countersued for $100 million dollars for Depp calling her a liar. She also accused him of coordinating an online attack on her via Twitter, sending trolls after her and um, launching petitions to get her fired from jobs like her role in Aquaman and her contract with L'Oreal. And her role in the Aquaman sequel was cut down. She's apparently barely in it. But the head of DC Films testified in the trial that her role wasn't reduced because of the Depp lawsuit, but because of lack of chemistry between Jason Momoa and her. But we also heard during the trial that Jason Momoa fought to keep her in the sequel. So that's like the basics, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, it's worth noting, when has a lack of chemistry ever prevented a Marvel movie from being made? Sorry, Marvel or DC? <laughs> Yeah, no, that doesn't matter. People aren't going for the chemistry. No. <laughs> They're going for the CGI and mm -hmm. to see Jason Momoa's nipples. Fair enough. That That's basically it. So the trial lasted six weeks. We won't get into the details of it. If you want details, I'm sure they'll come soon because Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, National Geographic, The Weather Channel, Podcasts. Shutter, Shutter, everybody is going to do a... a docuseries on this shit show mm -hmm. of a trial and scripted shows galore but johnny um and amber they both testified twice because i guess once wasn't enough uh they both accused the other of being the abusive one amber says at the time she did get physical with johnny was in self-defense mm -hmm. uh, ellen barkin testified for amber saying that she witnessed one of johnny's rages Kate Moss also testified. She testified for Johnny because when Amber was on the stand, Amber brought up a rumor that Johnny pushed Kate down the stairs when they were mm -hmm. together. So Kate was called. She denied it, saying that Johnny never got abusive with her. The doorman of Johnny's building, this was a mess, went viral oh, yeah. because 
his pre-recorded testimony was recorded in his car while he was vaping. Yeah, it, that that was like, that should be the pinnacle of this shit show where it's like everybody should stand back and say, what were we doing? That sums it up. Like, this is a fucking joke. Um, yeah. There were, there was ac- lots of accusations of drug and booze use on both sides. There was also a lot of talk about Amber shitting in their bed to get back at Johnny. We've heard about this before. Mm-hmm. He thinks that she shit on the bed as like a pro- prank to get back at him. She claims one of the dogs did it. So it was a shit show literally on every level. Yeah, figuratively, metaphorically, all of it. All of the above. And we should know that going into this trial, Johnny already lost a case about this. So he lost against the British tabloid, The Sun, because they called him a wife beater in an article. So he sued. He lost. The court said that there was evidence presented that showed that Johnny did abuse Amber at least 12 times. And so The Sun was in line when they called him a wife beater. Um, He lost that. So the jury in this case was made up of five men and two women. They deliberated for around two days. And I honestly thought because of what I saw, because of what legal experts were saying, that Johnny was going to lose completely. Yeah, I I was on the same page as you here because it's to me, it seemed very cut and dry where it's like, okay, so she didn't, first of all, she didn't name him by name. She wrote an op-ed just saying, I'm a survivor of domestic abuse. That's like a First Amendment right, right? Where you, you yeah, have freedom, like freedom of, speech. of speech. So I was like, yeah, you can write that. Like she didn't, she didn't come right out and say like Johnny Depp is a is a wife beater. Like it was like he wasn't named. So I was like, okay, sorry Johnny Depp. Like I think you're gonna lose this. So, uh, what I thought is that Amber side just had to prove that he was abusive. Because that would not make her a liar, saying that she's a victim of abuse. And if they prove that he abused her, which I thought they did, but that's not how it played out. We all lost in this trial, but Johnny won. He came out the winner, basically. So he won every count. He had issues with three lines in Amber's op-ed piece. So the lines were... I spoke up against sexual violence and faced our culture's wrath. That has to change. So that's one line. The second line, then two years ago, I became a public figure representing domestic abuse, and I felt the full force of our culture's wrath for women who speak out. That's the second line. The third, I had the rare vantage point of seeing in real time how institutions protect men accused of abuse. Mm -hmm. So the jury found that Uh, Johnny Depp's side, Johnny Depp's team, proved that those statements are false and that Amber defamed Johnny with malice, meaning she meant to take him down by making up the abuse allegations. Mm -hmm. The jury awarded Johnny $10 million in compensatory, compensatory (laughs) damages (laughs) and $5 million in punitive. But Virginia law caps punitive damages at $350,000, so that's what Amber has to pay Johnny instead of the $5 million. So that was Johnny. Yeah. Amber, she didn't totally lose. So the jury ruled against most of her lawsuit, but they ruled in favor of for her um, over something that Johnny's former lawyer said. So Johnny's former lawyer told the Daily Mail that the allegations were a hoax and an ambush and that Amber and her friends purposely trashed her apartment to make it look like Johnny did it before they called the cops. So the jury ruled against 
Johnny's side for that. And uh, the jury found that Amber was defamed with that statement. And she was awarded $2 million, which I guess Johnny has to pay. I would think the lawyer, his former lawyer would have to pay it, but I guess Johnny does. Yeah, because it's like she sued him. Like, yeah. Yeah, like she sued Johnny Depp. Like, so that's who she's going to get her money from by way of his lawyer's statements. So Johnny, of course, celebrated the the decision, saying that he just wanted the truth to be revealed. And he also spent $65,000 on a celebratory dinner because we know that Johnny is really great with money. Oh, yeah. He, he didn't recently say that he was extremely broke. No, and I think he's pretty broke. I'm not sure if he can pay Amber that $2 million. But um, Amber said that she's disappointed. I'll read some of what she said. So some of what she said, I'm heartbroken that the mountain of evidence still was not enough to stand up to the disproportionate power, influence, and sway of my ex-husband. It sets back the clock to a time when a woman who spoke up and spoke up could be publicly shamed and humiliated. It sets back the idea that violence against women should be taken seriously. I am sadder still that I seem to have lost a right I thought I had as an American to speak freely and openly. Mm-hmm. And it's no surprise that Amber's lawyer said she plans to appeal because a lot of their evidence was suppressed and not seen by the jury. Her lawyer also said that she can't pay Johnny all those millions she now owes him. So, yeah. So, sorry, Johnny. So, you won, but technically he's going to be, like, getting... He, he's going to be getting pretty dusty waiting for that $10 million check to come in. It's going to take a while, I think. And so, because the verdict was shocking to some, Mm -hmm. and many experts believe that Johnny was going to lose. lose. There's theories as to what happened. So the jury was not sequestered. And this trial, as we know, was very, very public because it was streamed. Mm -hmm. Anybody could watch it. And Johnny, like, clearly won in the court of public opinion because many believed he was 100% innocent and then Amber made everything up. There were memes about this trial, which were dark. Amber's crying face became a meme, for fuck's sake. Yeah, Um, which is really fucked up. Yeah, it. I mean, it was just a shit show all around. And it's one of my friends, who I think is pretty reasonable. So they asked me about this trial, my thoughts. You know, and I said I thought Johnny was going to lose. Um, And he was like, really? Like, Johnny is innocent, Amber is obviously crazy. She's a liar. And he goes on and on and on. And I mentioned that he lost the son lawsuit and some of the other things, you know, some of the other other evidence against him. And he's like, oh, I didn't see that. So I think like maybe a lot yeah. of what people were seeing was like pro Johnny stuff, like on Twitter. So that kind of made them. Yeah. Yeah. It was super one sided. And that's the thing is like, um, Yeah, like, I kept seeing videos all the time, like, reaction videos every single day of the trial on YouTube. And I'd be like, I don't subscribe to this channel. Like, I have not liked one of these videos. I have not even watched one of them. And they keep showing up for me. And they were always very pro-Johnny, super, super anti-Amber. And it's like, if you, you know, you and I, I feel like we're fairly smart. We got, like, two brain cells to rub together. We think with a very... Two brain cells... Both of us combined. Yeah, yeah, it's like the song, like two of hearts, except ours. And both of them, and you have both of the brain cells. 
Yeah, I loan one out to you sometimes. You too, me, Azura. You, you <laughs> yeah. let me borrow one every now and, yeah. and then. But what I'm trying to say is, you and I like are fairly critical thinkers where we're like, okay, we want to read all the evidence. We want to read all the trial stuff. Like, we want to know all the details of this. But if you are only getting one side of it and social media is feeding you only one side of it, and if you don't completely know the details, you are going to think like, oh, wow, this is a pretty pretty clear trial doesn't have to take six weeks to figure out who's gonna win this one yeah yeah and like the hashtag justice for johnny depp was used billions of times the hashtag amber heard is a liar was a big trend too so yeah even on like tiktok that's all i would see it's like pro johnny stuff that i was like over and over again yeah i had to start muting certain things on twitter like hashtag amber turd i didn't need to see that yeah, 1,400 times a minute. <laughs> Once is good. The court reporter involved in the case also said that several jurors fell asleep during the trial. Mm-hmm. And that w- the one that seemed to pay the most attention was an alternate, which th- their vote, they didn't really have a vote. Yeah. So it was just a disaster all around. And my question to you, Allison, is do yes. you think their careers are going to survive this? I think Johnny's will. I don't think Amber's will, though. Like, I think that, um, you know, if I'm going to, I don't know. How do I say this without um, coming across as making this sound like a CNN special report? I I think that Johnny Depp will be fine. I think that he has such a crazy loyal fan base that it doesn't matter what kind of shitty movie he does. Because, like, let's be real with ourselves. If you go back and look at his IMDb page and look at like the last five movies they are garbage and but like his fans will still go see them and they're gonna hype them up on social media and all that stuff and they're gonna like make petitions that are like bring back johnny depp into that you know incredible beast man movie or whatever stuff like that um amber heard doesn't have that type of fan base so it's and like johnny depp's fans i think we talked about this maybe one or two episodes ago um, those fans are like serious. Like they will bully you on social media and through emails. So I think that they would still be happy to like, those people are not going to let Amber Heard go for sure. Like they're going to be bringing up that stuff for like 15 years from now. So yeah, I mean, she still has L'Oreal commercials, which is great. Makeup commercial money is good, I assume. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think that she's probably going to have to work a little bit harder to get jobs and stuff but what do i know maybe they'll both be fine who who knows maybe five years out from now they'll both be like nominated for oscars or something who knows well one industry expert so you know Uh it's true they talked to the rap they said that johnny had a reputation for being a pain in the ass hard to work with before the allegations Mm -hmm. so they think like the allegations the trial is the nail in his coffin he's done nobody's really going to hire him anymore. Okay. But I like you. I mean, he's a rich, famous man. He's going to be fine. But, and I, like you, like you said, like he has a lot of fans. And I think that's, that's what I, I, that's one of my theories was why, why people were so behind him because mm-hmm. of nostalgia. Like they grew up watching oh, yeah. Johnny Depp movies mm-hmm. and they, grew up loving Johnny Depp. And they're like, there's no way Edward Scissorhands can do that. So 
I'm not going to believe it. I'm standing with Johnny. So yeah, I think he has a huge fan base that's going to stand by him. I think his career will, I mean, will probably be okay. I don't know if he's going to be in another Pirates of the Caribbean movie, but... Yeah, I don't know if Disney will go that far. But at least his trial is over until Johnny sues Amber again, which is probably going to happen. It will happen. Well, she's going to appeal. So will this go to trial again? You know what? Yeah. Probably. Knowing our luck, it will. Yeah. So let's move on to something that's less fucking depressing. This year marks the 70th anniversary of Queen Elizabeth, a.k.a. the Queen's coronation. So she's celebrating 70 years on the throne. She's the first British monarch to do so. It was uh, the Platinum Jubilee, which they call it, was a big four-day celebration. The Queen is 96. Shield. Yeah, she's been down and out here and there with health problems. And so she didn't do all the events, naturally. She can't stand that long. Mm -hmm. So she made an appearance on the Buckingham Palace uh, balcony at Trooping the Color, which is one of the main events during the Jubilee. She made a surprise Mm -hmm. appearance on the Buckingham Palace balcony again on the final day of the Jubilee. And she was also in a skit with Paddington Bear that played at her Platinum Jubilee concert on Saturday night. She wasn't at the concert, but she was in the skit with Paddington Bear, and I think that's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, what what's better than that? You can't top that. No, yeah, that should have been her uh, final bow of the Jubilee. (laughs) Uh, Her younger self appeared as a hologram in a gold carriage on finale day at the Jubilee. So she was here and there. Yeah, in... In, like, the most technical sense. Okay, Michael, you brought up the hologram. Can we talk about that for a second, please? Because... Well, technically, it wasn't a hologram. What was it technically? It's, it's called, like, a Pepper's Ghost effect. So, you know, like, at the Haunted Mansion, like, the 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 mirrors, like, the Haunted Mansion, right, at Disneyland, when the mirrors uh, okay. are, are... So, they said it was that. It's not a hologram. It's just, like, her image appeared on gl- glass. But what's a hologram then? Well, because a hologram, I think, is three-dimensional. This shit, I think, was 2D. Oh, it's just a picture. They were on a budget. <laughs> yeah, the it's like watching... On a budget. <laughs> That's sad. I, I would assume that if anyone had the money for a hologram, it would be Queen Elizabeth. Not a Pepper's ghost. A Pepper's ghost it was, apparently. They're like, the queen is like, listen, can we get a hologram? And her accountant was like, I've been looking at the books. Best we can do is a Pepper's Ghost. We're working on a Pepper's Ghost budget here. But it was weird, though. That was weird, right? <laughs> like, people were waving at that thing. Like, well, she was, but, the, you know, the picture was yeah, waving. I wouldn't wave at it, but people, like, clap at the end of movies. For who? For you? <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> it's people... <laughs> okay, you know what else? You know <laughs> No one else. Okay, here's well, well, we're all defendant. So um, I've talked extensively about how I've worked in retail, and um, in the store that I worked at, there was like the security cameras when you're leaving, like the televisions, right? Like we've all seen them in the grocery store and Target and stuff like that. And there's televisions, and they're for security purposes. And people would walk up to them and see themselves, and they would stop and they would wave at themselves for a long time. This happened. <laughs> every single day oh yeah i've seen that yeah so i think that when people see something waving at them on a screen the natural instinct is to wave back like that's what makes us human that's what separates us from the bacteria 
I wouldn't wave at pep- the Pepper's Ghost Queen, but I'm not going to judge someone else who did. Because, like I said, I clapped at the end of a movie, and there's nobody yeah. there. Yeah, and you nobody know, I've in cl- the movie, involved, <laughs> nobody involved in the movie was there. I've I've clapped at the end of an of a flight as well. So again, <laughs> I'm in no well, position. Well, that at least the pilot is there to hear it. I don't think the pilot gives a shit. <laughs> He's, he doesn't care. <laughs> So because the queen didn't work all of the events, the rest of the royals did, the ones who are working royals. But the one who really put in the work was Prince Louis. He deserves an allowance raise. Yeah. So Prince Louis is Prince William and Duchess Kate's youngest son. He's four. So at the Trubing the Color, he made all kinds of faces on the balcony. He covered his ears when the planes flew overhead. He went viral for that. And at the Jubilee pageant on the last day, he made more faces. He jumped around in his seat. He threw a tantrum around his mom. And he went viral for that. And the New York Post actually had this headline. Prince Louis, spoiled brat or just a normal (laughs) four-year-old? Jesus Christ. (laughs) I know. I'm surprised I didn't have a poll. Prince Louis. A fucking asshole or just a four-year-old? A fucking asshole, a spoiled brat. That, that's all the choices are probably yeah. Other. <laughs> well, 59% of voted for other. I know, or they, I'm surprised that they didn't, like, uh, Photoshop him into some, like, awful looking, uh, oh, you know what I'm talking about. When, like, when the media clearly Photoshops something to look bad, like, they, like, do a cross-section picture and it's like, uh, those people weren't in the same room together. Yeah, or take like the poster from the bad son and um, photo the good son. <laughs> Prince Louis's face on over Macaulay, Macaulay Culkin. Culkin's face. Yeah, I mean, poor poor Louis definitely getting taken down for being a quote unquote spoiled brat. But but I mean, he, he saved the show. I mean, like you said, he should get a raise because the the royal family has gotten a lot of bad press, so they needed this wholesome little scene. Yeah, I mean, Pepper's ghost with the Pepper's ghost uh, trick was nothing compared to what Louis was bringing to the table. No, he made he- he made headlines. So he put in the work. He He's the one who really did all the work. So Prince Harry and Meghan Markle were there, too. Uh, but since they're not working royals anymore, they didn't make any they didn't make any appearance on the Buckingham Palace balconies. That's strictly for working royals and their spouses and kids. So they were reportedly thinking of not coming because the UK government refused to give them police protection since they're not working royals anymore. Harry filed a lawsuit over it. There was a lot of drama. He said they're willing to pay for the police protection. So they did get police protection for some events. And that was enough for them to come over, go over to the UK. They brought their two kids, Archie and Lilibet. It was Lilibet's first time in the UK. It was also her first birthday weekend. Um, So they had a little party. She met her grandmama for the first time. Lilibet Jr. met Lilibet Sr. for the first time. Original (laughs) recipe. Yeah. There's no pictures of that. And it was claimed that Harry and Meghan wanted the professional photographer they brought along with them to get a pic of the Lilibet's but that the palace shut that down. But a source claims that didn't happen. And Harry and Meghan never made that request. Hmm. What do you believe? They probably brought a photographer. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Listen, I would have wanted that. I would have wanted that. Yeah, I want a picture with the little bits. Yeah, like my my daughter still has her great grandma in her life. And I love taking pictures of the two of them. 
Yeah, you bring your professional photographer every time. Yeah, my my iPhone with a million cracks in the front of it. (laughs) So Harry and Meghan did show up at a couple events, including Tribute of the Color. um, But apparently they didn't have any run-ins with Prince William and Duchess Kate. So all four of them didn't patch things up this time around. And Harry and Meghan were out of England by Sunday afternoon. Yeah, they were like in the plane as the um, uh, parade was happening, essentially. As Prince Louis was putting in the work to get those headlines, they were in the plane. I mean, someone had to. It's unfortunate that it fell on the shoulders of a four-year-old. But yeah, he he took the job and did it. And how? (laughs) So as for Prepare to Groan, Prince Andrew, (laughs) he wasn't at any events because he got COVID. Poor COVID. But you know he didn't get COVID. That's bullshit. He did get sick. COVID doesn't want anything to do with him. COVID ha- no. has some standards, I would think. Yeah, he didn't get COVID. That's a great excuse, though. If COVID wasn't if COVID wasn't happening, what excuse would you have given for the reason why Prince Andrew wasn't there? Well, I would have said Prince Andrew can't make it because the sight of him is going to make everyone heave and barf all over the streets and. Listen, we don't have a budget for a hologram. We have to use a Pepper's <laughs> Go. So we don't have the budget to clean up all that vomit off the street, too. So that's why he can't come. That should be the excuse. Because that's truthful. Yeah, that's not a lie. Okay, so let's end with this story. It went viral on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it started a debate that I never really heard before. And the debate was about feeding house guests. So this started on Reddit when someone started a thread asking, what is the weirdest thing you had to do at someone else's house because of their culture or religion? Mm -hmm. So a Redditor responded with, I remember going to my Swedish friend's house and while we were playing in his room, his mom yelled that dinner was ready. And check this, he told me to wait in his room while they ate. That shit was fucking wild. Wild, I tell you, Allison, just wild. So people responded and Swedes responded. So one said that's true because it's weird to feed someone else's kid when they're just over to play. Uh, But if there's a sleepover, the kid would have definitely been fed. Another Mm -hmm. Swede said that they only make enough food to eat. So there probably was an extra for the friend. The other said, uh, other Swedes said it was common. Zara Larsson, who is a Swedish pop star, she confirmed it too, tweeting that it was peak Swedish culture. The funniest thing is people just now finding out that growing up as a child, it will be really common to go and play at your friend's house. And then they will be like, oh, uh, I'm just going to go and have dinner. I'll be back in 30. And they would just leave you in their room. And you just had to play for like 30 minutes until they came back <laughs> after they had food with their family. What the fuck? Uh, my family would never do that. A lot of families would never, but a lot of families would. And it wouldn't like be a strange thing. It would just be like, oh, I'll just eat when I get home. I think the strange thing is to not even ask, like, do you want to sit with us? You can have a sandwich, you can have whatever, you know, like just to leave somebody in the room is so rude. Like, it's so fucking rude, but it's definitely Swedish culture. It's hilarious. I don't know why. I really don't know why. That's so, those poor Swedish children, their spirits got broken so early. Imagine sitting alone in your friend's bedroom by yourself. I'd be sad. Okay, I'll tell you this. This is my, would have been my dream as a kid. 
Oh, Lord. <laughs> because, like, whenever I would be at a little friend's house and they, yeah. their parents would invite me for dinner, I would have to say yes, but I was always... I mean, I'm socially awkward as it is, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to sit at a dinner table with some grown-ups I don't really know, making small talk. If And sometimes I didn't like the food, so I yeah. was forced to eat this food I didn't like, making small talk. And sometimes I would tell my friend, oh, I just ate. I'll sit here in the room while you go eat. <laughs> so I'm Swedish. Oh my gosh, me while your poor stomach is gro- like just absolutely growling, being like, No, I'm fine. Don't... I would rather than have to like sit and make small talk, but you want to be invited. This is uh, your sort nightmare. Of, sort of. I am with you though, where so- it depends on the family. Like, I can think back to being a kid. And some families you'd get invited for dinner and you'd be like, oh, this rules. Like they're, the mom is a really good cook and the family's not being weird and this is a great dinner and like I'm having a good time. And then other families you're like, this dinner is gross. Nobody is talking to each other. I feel very uncomfortable and I wish I was at home. So I think it depends on the family, but I think I wouldn't want to be left alone. Like this has happened to me one time when I was a kid. And I remember feeling very lonely. But wouldn't you just play? Like, I would just play. The time yeah, but would I was go by so fast. Sort Being of, but I was... alone with just my friend's <laughs> toys that I can go through his shit and I'm nosy. Oh, it was a dream come true. Okay, but you were inside, though. So when it happened to me, I was outside. And I was in the backyard. And there really wasn't anything to play with. But, I mean, in retrospect, I did live down the street. I don't know why I didn't go home. I should have gone home. So I was sitting there lonely and sad waiting for my friend to finish dinner when six doors away, my family was making dinner. (laughs) So I am, I think it depends on the child. In in some cases, some kids are dumb. Example, me being like six years old. Yeah, I was sad. I was super sad. I remember like looking up into like the window of their house being like, I bet they're having a great meal. Again. Watching them laugh like a movie, like laugh. Yeah, exactly. A feast. It's like a big turkey on the table. They're like eating a drumstick, laughing. And yeah, sitting exactly. There playing with twigs. Yeah, there's like food left over. They like throw it in the garbage. They're like, no one else needs to enjoy this. <laughs> I think my parents did ask me too, like, why didn't you come home? I don't know. I didn't think I was allowed. <laughs> I thought I was stuck in the backyard forever. You're yeah. still there, actually. You're you're, you're yeah. recording this episode from there. <laughs> yeah, I'm hiding in the sandbox right now. But my family is like the opposite. They yeah. throw food at people. They like any guests that come over, they will. Yeah, my family didn't necessarily throw food at people. We like my mom would always if I asked like, okay, my friend is here. Can they stay for dinner? She'd always be like, yeah, of course. And then like after dinner, she'd take me aside and be like, you have to give me more warning than that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah you, same you thing. Should... She'd be like. She'd be like, I only made enough food for our uh, family. Yeah, yeah. So she's yeah, like, yeah. you have to give me warning. You can't just like, as we're sitting down to the table, be like, oh, hey, can Jessica stay? Just, you got to prepare me. Give me at least an hour. Yeah, g- give me a, a, yeah, give me some notice to make some more. But like, no, my family would make a ton of food anyways. So like, literally the army could come and they'd have enough food. But like, I went to my aunt's house this past weekend for a visit and she made us tons of food and wanted us to take it home and but she also she like would take me into her kitchen and take me like to the fruit bowl and say i bought way too many bananas at costco michael why don't you take some oh look 
I went to the farmer's market and I bought way too many mangoes. Why don't you take some? Oh, look, I have some asparagus here for you. Like I'm at the Whole Foods, like a free Whole Foods. She just oh, like see, give me produce. And I'm like, I know how much asparagus costs in 2022. I didn't know I was related to a Rockefeller. <laughs> but that's what I'm thinking is maybe she thinks that you're destitute. She like saw you walk in and she's like, oh God, like going through being like, I bought this extra box of Raisin Bran and here's some milk. Take some milk home. Do you need steaks? Michael, if I asked you to name something about Las Vegas, what would you tell me? Besides getting drunk. that That's what I was going to tell you. That's all, all right. I know. Besides Celine gambling. Dion. Besides Celine Celine Dion Dion. and booze. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, that's that's Las Vegas in a nutshell. But Michael, what about Elvis weddings? Yeah, I've actually know I actually know a few people that got married by Elvis. Same, in Vegas. me too. When you're yeah, like when you're yeah, yeah, it's like a common thing. Some people do it. I mean, listen, it's not my cup of tea, but I'm not a huge Elvis fan. But like, some people really want to get married by Elvis, and they go to especially Las Vegas. in Vegas. Mm. Yeah, it, yeah, you're not gonna go get married by Elvis in like uh, Lansing, Michigan. Unless you want to, that's your choice. Go right ahead. But yeah, Elvis and Las Vegas, they go together like, you know, peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Except recently, there was some trouble with the Elvis uh, licensed wedding practitioners. I assume that's their formal title. So a group called Authentic Brands Group. So they own a controlling stake in Elvis's estate. I think they have for like 10 years now. So I guess maybe someone from Authentic Brands Group recently woke up from a coma and realized that there are Elvis impersonators performing weddings in Las Vegas because Authentic Brands Group started sending around cease and desist letters to a bunch of Las Vegas wedding chapels, like ones where Elvis is performing the ceremony, Mm -hmm. telling them to cease and desist that shit, be like, don't do that anymore. And so a bunch of Elvis impersonators and the wedding chapels like went to the press being like can you believe this because again this is like a it's kind of like an iconic part of Las Vegas at this point is the Elvis impersonator plus the you know Las Vegas quick wedding Mm -hmm. so authentic brains group had to like release a statement saying like we apologize everybody needs to cool down for a second because they don't want people to stop having Elvis impersonators marry people. They just want to ensure that the use of Elvis's image is in keeping with his legacy. So I think what they were probably do- what they So were they were meaning like, that you can use an Elvis themed wedding if you're marrying a 14 year old. Oh Michael <laughs> oh, You're about to get a cease and desist letter from Authentic France Group. Oh my god. Alright, so speaking of two people who are not probably going to get married by an Elvis impersonator in Las Vegas anytime soon is Michael B. Jordan aka a very handsome actor. (laughs) He was in like um, Black Panther and for me he was in the Friday Night Lights TV show. So he was dating Lori Harvey. He was? I did not know that. Yes! Oh my god. Was he like a main character? Yeah, in season three or four. Yeah, it's when the high schools like um, have to split up and then there's, what is it, like, East Dillon High or whatever. He's, like, the football player from that. Anyway, he's really great. In okay. Friday Night Lights. You learn something now. <laughs> exactly. So he was dating Steve Harvey's daughter, Lori Harvey, uh, for about a year. And they're not together anymore. So no. a source uh, told People Magazine that they're both completely heartbroken. Not a little bit heartbroken, Michael. Completely heartbroken. Totally. 
that they still love each other, though. But that is just not happening for them right now. Michael B. Jordan is like 35. Lori Harvey is 25, which that to me sounds like a perfect Hollywood relationship of 10 years. But maybe there's just too much of a difference there. Maybe they wanted other things. Well, and some source said that she is not in a place to come in. Understandable. She's only 25. She's 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like she's got a lot of other people to date before she settles down. Yeah, a lot of dating to do. Even though Michael B. Jordan, I would have probably bagged that in a second, married it. No question. Elvis, everything. Yeah, no question. Unquestionable, I would do that. But if you were Michael B. Jordan, would you want Steve Harvey to be your father-in-law? No. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Day. Like, as soon as yeah. I, as soon as I met Lori Harvey, she said my father is Steve Harvey. I'd be like, oh, well, it was, I'm actually not in a place to commit to a yeah. <laughs> serious relationship right now, but good luck. Okay, so we have talked before about Kim Kardashian wearing Marilyn Monroe's uh, happy birthday Mr. President dress to the Met Gala. And we've talked about how Kim had to lose a bunch of weight to fit into it and how, you know, uh, costume and fashion historians were like, that's gross that she had, that she like wore this like artifact and all this stuff. So there's obviously a lot of drama surrounding that and there's more and it's caused by Kim this time. So Kim decided to talk to the New York Times about wearing Marilyn's dress and she specifically focused on the fact that people were pissed off that Kim talked about losing weight to fit into it. Like Kim Mm -hmm. went on like a crash diet essentially. Yeah. um, So that she could get skinny enough. And so, and obviously that's like, I'm going to say it. I'm not a doctor. That's really unhealthy to like, try to lose like 20 pounds in two weeks just to fit into someone else's dress that, you know, people already don't want to see you in. So she said to me, it was like, okay, Christian Bale can do it for a movie. And that is acceptable. Even Renee Zellweger gained weight for a role. It's all the same to me. I wasn't saying, hey, everyone, why don't you go lose this weight in a short period of time? So Kim is comparing herself, by the way, when she says Christian Bale, she's talking most likely about Christian Bale losing a ton of weight for the 2004 movie, The Machinist. We've all seen those pictures of Christian Bale looking like extremely skinny. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, again, that was for a movie. <laughs> and she's Well, he was me. a mess too for doing that. Like Yeah, he didn't need to. No, she's a mess, he's a mess. Yeah, and like Renee Zellweger gaining weight for Bridget Jones, I feel like that's a, there's always something a little different about somebody gaining weight for a role as opposed to like Christian Bale in the machinist, which is super unhealthy. But also it's like it's one of those things where it's like, it's just the Met Gala. Like, why are you losing weight? Why are you just like drinking water and eating air? And not only that, but she didn't even fit into the dress. Like the no. dress didn't zip up all the way. So no. it's it's like, just get a fake one. First of all, it makes more sense since everything about her is fake. So she may as well just gotten a fake one and eat. Yeah, and you know that they sell one on Amazon. Sheen. She, yeah, it might not be called the Marilyn Monroe dress. It might be called the Happy Birthday, Mr. President dress. Close enough. Blonde bombshell birthday dress. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pick one of those up. Yeah. Who cares? It, trust, the outcome will look the same. You will look the exact same in it, Kim Kardashian. Okay, so, Michael, I don't know where you stand on 
when you go on a date with someone on like a first date, do you expect them to pay for you? No. Or do you you assume you guys are going to split? Yes. Right. Even, I always even... assume that they're, we're going to split. Do you okay. do you assume that they're going to pay? If they ask you, if someone asks you to dinner, like on a date, do you assume they're going to pay or you're, are you going thinking you're going to pay half? You're going to pay for yourself. Yeah, my wallet's out. I assume I'm going to pay for myself. I don't know why. I feel like I'm like beholden to them if they pay for my meal. But if I say like, no, I want to put in money for this. It feels more equal to me. I'm not You're misindependent. You're misindependent. Yeah. Um, the Kelly Clarkson song. Exactly. Come to life. Um, yeah. yeah. Not a lot of people are though. Some people are like, no. if you ask me out on a date, I'm mm-hmm. not paying. That's like yeah. a standard kind of thing. So this TikTok user named Alaska Girl. Um, great name. So she recently posted a TikTok that went viral this week because she went on a date at Applebee's, as one does, and the server arrived with two checks at the end of the meal. And she was like aghast. Like, are you kidding me? She was filming her date saying like, are you seriously going to make me pay for my meal? And the bill was like $42.74. She was like a lot of money for me to... Like for Applebee's, but maybe I just haven't been to an Applebee's in a while. Well, people were saying that. They're like, who spends like $42 at Applebee's? But the hamburgers are like $16, $17. You gotta get the drink. cocktails are like $8. The dessert is another $8. So that shit adds up. It does. It's not an inexpensive meal anymore. If you want inexpensive, no. you go to McDonald's. Applebee's is yes. it's high tier. So yes. in this TikTok, she's like chewing out her date being like this is bullshit and then in towards the end of the video she she believes that he is making her pay for her meal because she said she wouldn't have sex with him so she thinks that it was kind of like Mm -hmm. a punishment sort of thing here's where the story gets a little bit twisted the internet did some investigating and they believe with within a reasonable doubt that the man in the video is actually her husband Wait, you're telling me this whole story was fake and concocted for views? Uh, Michael, I know that that's a shocking revelation that somebody <laughs> I never on the internet, <laughs> especially TikTok. I thought TikTok was hollow ground, nothing but honesty and integrity on TikTok. Oh, God, Allison. but also that makes me think like either they lied or they have some kind of like kinky fetish where. They like to role play that they're on a bad date and she's on a date with like a cheapskate, which they should have just put that at the beginning of it. They probably would have gotten more views from the cheapskate Applebee's date role playing community. Yeah, it's true. And it's like he wanted sex after eating at Applebee's. He's a scat queen because there's a lot of shitting going on after that meal. (laughs) Yeah, that's disgusting. Your stomach is like flip flopping all over the place. You don't need to be doing that after Applebee's. Flip flopping on naked body, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Speaking of flopping, flip flopping. So Morbius is a movie that came out um in April. And Morbius is a Marvel movie starring Jared Leto as like a vampire doctor. Um, something like superhero, that. Something like mm-hmm. that. He's a vampire. I know he's a vampire. Yeah. He's like awake at night and he has fangs and he drinks blood. Um, That sounds like it should have driven everyone to the movie theaters, but it didn't. It only made like $84 million worldwide its opening weekend two months ago. That's a flop for That's a, a huge movie. flop. Marvel movies make like a billion dollars. $84 yeah. million? 
that's nothing. That's sad. Depressing. So <laughs> Sony <laughs> Sony was like, this is this is sad for us. Like this is embarrassing. Um, but then this weekend, they decided to put it back into movie theaters because Morbius became a meme. Now, Michael, were you aware of the memes that were going on with Morbius? No, I don't run in those circles on Twitter. Good for you. Good for you. Did you see any of this? I did. Yeah. (laughs) Against my will. I don't give a shit about Morbius, but Morbius memes were popping up on my timeline. So one of the big ones was they, like, people were making jokes about Morbius that weren't true, obviously. Like, Mm -hmm. they knew it was a shitty movie. So one of the jokes was that, Morbius's catchphrase is <laughs> it's Morbin time, which is mm-hmm. kind of like it's Morphin time from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah. And it was that level of joke where it's like very obvious that that's not what's going on. And yeah, they're not they're not bringing up this movie because they love it. They're bringing it up to make fun of it. That's a piece yeah, of shit. Exactly. And it's not like the type of jokes that you make where you're like, oh, this makes me want to see the movie. Like it's so bad, it's good. It's like, no, Morbius is so bad, it's bad. It's Morbin time. Sony was dumb. <laughs> they, I don't know if they like don't understand what a meme is, but they put Morbius back in theaters to try to capitalize on the success of Morbius on social media. And it was in a hundred, sorry, 1,037 theaters this weekend. And it only made $300,000 broken down over the span of like, you know, a three day weekend. It made about Less than $300 a theater. If you want to break that down even further, that's basically $100 per theater per day. Okay, you say that's bad, Allison. But I say that's pretty good because I can't believe even one person bought a ticket. Because like most of the people who want to see that piece of shit saw it probably the first two weeks or so, right? right? So who the fuck wants to see it when it's already flopped and come back to the theater? Like who wants, who would buy a ticket for that? Someone who hates themselves. But also, yeah, you can make fun of it at home for free. So yeah, actually get streaming. out of your house and go buy a ticket. Yeah, that's... You know you know who it was. I mean, it was Jared Leto in different disguises. He'd just go back, go to his car, put on another disguise, come back. I'll take 10 tickets for Morbius, please. Go back to his car, put on another... Going around the country. <laughs> He's like... He kept busy. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm in Duluth this weekend. I'm going to go see Morbius. We're returning once again to the delisted show and tell segment where Michael and I show you and tell you about some things that we're interested in this week. Um, I will go first. I'm going to talk about uh, a TV show that's actually sort of a TV show, but it's definitely something that you could find online on YouTube. So it's very accessible to people. Um, and so in honor of the start of Gay Pride Month, my pick is um, the Z-Way episode um, that is called, this their Gay Pride episode. It's literally just titled Gay Pride exclamation mark. So uh, I don't, I don't think I've ever talked about Z-Way before. So it's a talk show on Showtime hosted by a comedian named um, Z-Way Fumado. And she used to have like an online um, talk show before, and it was um, uh, it was called Baited with Z-Way. So it's kind of like awkward. It's like sort of an awkward interview style. She definitely mm-hmm. does like bait people into like yeah. uncomfortable answers. It's it's great. It's satire. It's satire. Exactly. It's like very heavy satire. So yeah. her show Z-Way is it's a little bit uh, you know 
higher budget because it is on Showtime, but all the episodes are on Netflix or not Netflix, YouTube. So for the gay pride episode, she had two guests. She had, um, who is my favorite drag queen, I think from the RuPaul's Drag franchise. Katya, Katya. exactly. Yeah, you've said that here before. She's your favorite. I love Katya. I would lay down my life for Katya so much. So she's the first guest. And then the second guest is Adam Pally, who is a comedian and an actor who, if you watch Happy Endings, he played Max, who was like the only um, gay character on the show. Okay. Sorry, I shouldn't say that. There was another gay character who was like, the whole joke was that he was like extremely offensive. Max was like the main, one of the main six characters. But again, Adam Pelly is straight in real life. He's like married and has kids. So of course that segment involved a lot of, a lot of baiting and a lot of like um, uncomfortable questions. But I mean, it's Adam Pelly's second time on the show. So he sort of already knew it was. What he knows expect. the drill, yeah. Exactly. And so they got along really well because he kind of knows how to play along with Z-Way's mm-hmm. character. She's, she is essentially doing a character. Um, Katya, on the other hand, is it's such a great um, segment because Z-Way generally operates in kind of like this space where it is deeply uncomfortable. And people get very flustered and they get very um, self-conscious about the answers that they give. They Some of the answers are rooted in like guilt of some mm-hmm. kind and um, which is kind of fun to watch. But it, again, it's also very uncomfortable. There's none of that with Katya. Like you can't, you cannot bait or trap Katya. Like you can't out weird, weird. Katya well, there was and, one. Yeah. There was one clip I saw yeah. with Katya, and it was I don't know. Like they were talking about maybe George Washington or something. Yes. And Katya joked, "I have well, I have wooden teeth like George Washington." Yes. And then Zui said, "Well, actually, those were the teeth of slaves that they wore. They weren't wooden." Right. Yeah. So there. And so was, she like deadpan. Yeah. Yeah. She like kind of. St- for a second but it didn't shake Katya though like that was what was kind of cool about it is that it's like usually that would be when another guest would get super super embarrassed and they would be like oh I had no idea and like you know what I mean like you start to get (laughs) they would get like really panicky and Katya just kept it moving um there were sometimes I don't like to see like I'm not saying that I like gotcha journalism but it is really interesting when somebody who has a character like Z-Way or even I would say like when Stephen Colbert was doing the Colbert Report, it's always really interesting to me when they are able to get got by their guest. When all of a sudden, like they're not able to keep up their character. And it's just- So she gets got by Katya? A little bit, yes. She gets like a little bit shaken because you cannot, you can't like outsmart Katya. Katya. Like she's she's such a super smart um person like her brain is working overtime so it's very interesting to watch that dynamic especially because there are just so many answers that she gives that are not she doesn't give a shit it's wonderful it's really great to watch um and then also it's like the the show z way it's like there are sketches in it and there are different moments and stuff like that so generally every episode of z way is great but i do i do specifically like that one because it is dealing with a guest that doesn't really doesn't completely play into what she's doing. So it's very fun. Like there was another episode recently with like Hannibal Burris, who also kind of made it weird for Z-Way, but in a very different way. 
Whereas like Katya is just like you can't you can't outsmart her. Like it's it's great. Um but also yeah, it's on YouTube. It's like easy to watch. It's like half an hour. Less than that maybe even. So my show and tell is quick and fun and enjoyable and yeah. And a TV show. So my, And it has what, Katya. And it's got Katya, exactly. So I I'm because that's part that's part of my religion. It's like I have to uh what is it, evangelize about <laughs> about my Lord and Savior. So Michael, what do you want to show and tell this week? Okay, mine is not pride themed because I'm a bad gay. But uh, my show tells a drink. The New York Times called this drink the drink of the summer, um, which should be the tears of us while uh, pumping our gas. Yeah. These gas prices, <laughs> but that's not their drink of the summer. So their drink of the summer is the Dirty Shirley, which is basically, it's basically a spiked Shirley Temple. And there's an old episode of Gilmore Girls where they call a spiked Shirley Temple a Shirley Temple Black, since it's all grown up. So I prefer that name. So I go with Shirley Temple Black, but the New York Times calls it a Dirty Shirley. So it's very easy. So you just take a glass, fill it with ice, put an ounce of grenadine or half an ounce if you want it less sweet, add one, two, or three ounces of vodka or more, depending on how strong you want it, Fill the rest with Sprite or 7-Up. Give it a good stir. Top with a maraschino cherry or three, since we're all adults here. Um, I like to add a squeeze of lime to mine. So that's it. I've also made what I've called a Shirley Temple Black Light, which instead of Sprite or 7-Up, I use a lime LaCroix or, you know, some kind of lemon-lime sparkling water if you want it even less sweet. So you can go with a Shirley Temple Black Light. And I've already had so many of these because I think when... Because when I was a kid, like a Shirley Temple was would make my day, would make my week. Because the only time we would get a Shirley Temple is for special occasions. You know, like we were at a restaurant and they had them and I would get one. So now that I'm like a doll and I can buy them as much as I want and I can make them as much as I want, it's a dream. And with vodka, so yeah. Would, would you also, it. could you also put gin in it? Or would that be crossing some kind of line? That might make, change the flavor a little bit. Right. Okay. And do you ever add orange juice to your Shirley Temple? No, that's not a Shirley Temple. Are you sure? Okay, because I, yeah. no, I was a I, bartender and I used to put orange juice in my Shirley Temple. Oh, is that like a tequila sunrise? Yeah, maybe. Or Shirley oh. Temple with orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> I might have been serving children tequila sunrises. No, no. Well, Roy Rogers is Shirley Temple with Coke, right? Instead of 7-Up? Oh, I don't know. Who's Roy Rogers? He, I don't know. Roy him. Rogers, wasn't he like an old-timey cowboy star? It sounds like he's a cowboy. Okay, yeah. But no, I like it uh, plain. Just okay. Shirley Temple, some a lot of vodka. There you go. That sounds really good. And I bet it's very pretty looking, too. Like, that sounds like a pretty drink. Yeah, it's pretty. Pretty and sweet. Like you, Allison. Aw, thank you. I'm just like Shirley <laughs> Temple Black. Wait, Michael, how many ounces of vodka do you put in this again? I put two. You can put one, two, as many as you want. As much or as little as you want. I mean, it's your summer. So um, 
that ends our show. That ends our show and tell. That also ends the show. Um, if you want to email us for any reason, please do at dtp at delisted.com. Watch Zooey's Pride special while drinking a Shirley Temple Black or Shirley Temple Black Light or just a plain Shirley Temple if you don't do booze. But um, we'll be back with more Messy Next next week. Cheers, Michael. Cheers, Allison. Thank you. Bye.